good crowd tonight. Not, not in numbers, but quality. You know, Jesus, Jesus is always looking for quality, not necessarily quantity. That's all right. This is my, my annual time to preach uh, when Chris is not here, and I'm thankful uh, at this point to, just to be able to get in where I can get in. So it's good. Um, Brandon told me, when you get up there, ask everybody to move into the center rows of the first four. I was like, eh, I want to get invited back, so I better not do that. So um, how many of you are familiar with the principle of sowing and reaping? Anybody familiar? Okay, yeah, we've got a good biblical crowd here today. You don't have to be a Christian necessarily to understand this principle of sowing and reaping. It's just cause and effect. It's something that God sort of implemented at the beginning of creation. Um, and it's, it's a principle that, that sort of rules our life. Um, we're going to be in uh, Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Um, before we get into that verse, I want to give you an illustration. Um, I, am, uh, I work for Twin Oaks Nursery. I'm a landscape designer. Um, and uh, I know a little bit about sowing and reaping. That's why this, uh, this passage was so kind of near and dear to my heart. But I- I'll tell you a story that sort of illustrates this. It's kind of funny. Um, I was up in retail uh, one day. I, don't, I try to stay out of retail because they put me to work. Um, but I was up there one day, and there was a guy came in, and he was mad, and he was raising cane saying, I bought 500 pounds of ryegrass from y'all, and, and none of it came up, and I want my money back. And, uh, the, of course, the little retail girl was, like, freaking out. And so I kind of swooped in and saved the day. And uh, I said, okay, sir, what, what's, what's the problem here? And he kind of just kept on saying, y'all, y'all need my money back. You know, y'all sold me some bad seed. And uh, I said, well, okay, let's, let, let's back up here. Let's back up. So what, what did you do with that seed? And he said, well, I, I read on the Internet. Okay, then my, then, then my antennas went up. Okay, it's sowing and reaping on the Internet. So he's, this guy's been on the Internet, and he read... I, he said, I wanted a beautiful lawn, just like this website told me. And so they said, if you sow ryegrass seed, and this was in the late fall, if you, you'll have a pretty green lawn all throughout winter. While everybody else's is brown and dormant, yours will be pretty and green. And uh, so, okay, well, that, okay, that makes sense. And, um, and, and none of that seed come up, and I want my money back. And he said, okay, well, let, let's back up. And so after a little bit of digging, he had been on the Internet another time. Okay, so it's sowing and reaping here with the internet. And uh, he, he went on this website that said, what you need to do to have a beautiful weed-free lawn during the winter and the early spring is to apply a pre-emergent. Now, those of you who do not know what a pre-emergent is, it's a chemical that you put out that keeps weed seeds from germinating. Okay? So this guy, if you're, you're kind of, the wheel's starting to turn a little bit. So this guy... He puts out ryegrass seed, and then he, preve- he puts out something that prevents seeds from germinating, and he's mad about it. And so after a little bit of, you know, I, him, I mean, he was still mad, you know, mainly at himself at this point. But he had sown, he had reaped what he had sown, right? Not, not literally, because nothing came up, but figuratively, because he had been on the Internet and there are terrible things on the internet. Uh, if you don't read, if you don't read the whole story, he had, he was reaping what he, what he had sown. So, um, real quick, before we get into this verse, there's four truths. All right, there's four truths sort of associated with this principle of of sowing and reaping. Uh, Brian, you got those? 
Okay, so the first one is, and that's the one we're going to talk about today, you reap what you sow. All right, so I uh, spent a lot of summers up just north of Bernice in a little town called Lily, and there is uh, a bunch of chicken ranchers, chicken farmers, chicken houses. I don't know what you call somebody who raises chickens anyway. But um, they have a saying up there, these chicken ranchers, that says you can't make chicken soup out of chicken poop. Okay? And that's what this is saying. You know, you, you, you reap what you sow. You can't make unwise, ungodly decisions, right, and expect a great outcome. And, and, and vice versa, it's cause and effect. You, you make good, godly, wise decisions throughout your life, you're going you're gonna to reap what you have sown. Okay? So the second one, you reap, you reap more than you sow. You reap more than you sow. Um, so l- let's look at this like this. So I make a decision as a new Christian that I am, with regard to spiritual disciplines, I am going to start reading my Bible and praying each day. By the way, we should be doing that. I make that decision. Okay, that is a, that is a seed that I have sown right there. Now, what happens is I get up early every morning, and I decide I'm going to do this, and I do this. God's Word, what happens, gets, gets inside of me, and my life changes. And God's Word promises that, right? Right there, I've made a decision, tough some mornings, to get up. But what I am sowing, what I'm going to reap because I have God's word in me, oh, it's, 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 so much, it's so much bigger than that decision that I made to, to get up early. All right? And then, so number three, you reap longer than you sow. So we're making decisions right now that are affecting, we're not, we're, that are affecting um, our future. Uh, I know, I mean, some of y'all are here today because you made the decision to come. Some of you are here today because long ago you decided that I'm going to be here on Friday nights. And the implications, I mean, on Sunday nights, and the implications of that are, are great. So you, you reap more than you sow. You reap longer than you sow. You reap later than you sow. Okay? I, I hate to tell you, but the great decisions that we're making today... A lot of times we won't see the outcome of those until much later. Now, that's disappointing to us because in America we want to see results, by golly, right now. Okay? Parents, grandparents here tonight, we're pouring into our children and our grandchildren. At least I hope that we are. Okay? Unfortunately, Josh, you know this, but we're not going to see a harvest or a, a reaping of that until they get older, you know? And that's, that's just part of this principle. We have to be patient in, in God's timing, okay? Those are the four truths that we just, we need to remember because they, they have all to do with this, this principle that we're talking about. So let's, uh, let's get into Galatians 6, 7 through 9. And so the big idea of this is that um, Paul is basically saying that decisions determine where we're at in our lives. And we have basically two things that drive or the driving force behind our decisions okay so we're either sowing to please the flesh or we're sowing to please the spirit and we're going to talk about exactly what that means i'll 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 read this verse here it says do not be deceived god cannot be mocked a man reaps 
what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will, will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those to those who belong to the family of believers. Okay, so all throughout Paul's letters, he's he's kind of putting these two things together: the flesh um, and and the spirit. And he says they're at war within us. In other places, in, in even in Galatians, he's saying that the spirit and the flesh are at war against us. So let's. Let's break down verse 7 and we'll, we'll get to the rest of this. It says, do not be deceived, okay? Do not be deceived. This is, a, this is a present imperative. And what that means is it's a command in the here and now. So, so Paul is saying if he had a pulpit, he would, have, he would hit it at this point and say, quit being deceived. Because, the, because why? Because the church in Galatia was being deceived. Now, deception by its very nature is, uh, is tough right? Because it's, we can't see it. Now, I can see problems that my wife has, right? I can see problems that my friends have, but in me, I'm easily deceived when it comes to my problems, and we're all that way. So Paul's pounding his fist, and he's not saying, it would be a good idea if you just wouldn't be deceived. He's not saying that. He's saying, you are being deceived. You need to quit it. Okay, so what are they being deceived about? Well, this principle of sowing and reaping. They were saying, we can make decisions, and it, it doesn't really matter. We can make these unwise, ungodly decisions. We can sow to the flesh, and it, it doesn't really matter. There's no consequences. And Paul's... Paul's basically calling them out, calling them idiots. So, and then he says, God, do not be deceived. God can not be mocked. That word mocked means to kind of, kind of thumb your nose at, to kind of scoff at. And so the church in Galatians says, you know, this principle that you're talking about, it doesn't really, you know, that's good for other people, but it doesn't really apply to us. We don't see how it applies to us. When you do that, and we can do that in our own lives, you're, you're trying to mock God. And Paul says, nah, God's not going to be mocked. You're fooling yourself. All right, so in, in, uh, in verse 8, you put verse 8 up. He says, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Okay, so here we are again. We're, we're talking about these two things, the flesh and the in the spirit, okay? And there's, we all make decisions. We all make decisions, right? We made the decision to come here tonight and listen to me preach, and I appreciate it. And, um, but there are consequences of our decisions. And the driving force behind these consequences are, am I trying to please me, or am I trying to please God? And then he gives, really, the consequences of this. He says, Sowing to please the flesh will lead to destruction. That word destruction means death and decay. All right? Um, it, it ultimately leads to hell. Ultimately. All right? 
Sowing to please the Spirit leads to eternal life. That word eternal life is, you know, we're all familiar with it. It means, obviously, kind of what it means. It's eternal life in heaven and, and um, the, the, the glory that we receive when we give our lives to Christ and the promise that he made. But it also, you know, the uh, theological, it, they call it the eschaton. You know, it's, the, it's Jesus Christ's making of all things new. But what it also indicates is our time here on this earth. Um, and in John 10.10, 10, it addresses that. It says, The thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Y'all know that God's worried about our life here on this earth? He's not just, he didn't just send his son so that we could get to heaven. He sent his son that, so that we could have victory while we're here on this earth. And that's, that's exciting. Okay? So let, let's get to this, the practical part of this, because this, this principle is very practical. That's why I like it. Let, let's remember our four truths. Let's put that back up on there. Uh, you reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. You reap longer than you sow. And you reap later than you sow. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson had a quote. Now, Ralph, oh, Ralphie was not a Christian. He was a uh, trans, leader of the Transcendentalist Movement, and uh, you don't associate that with being a Christian. So, But anyway, he had a quote that's, I think, right at the heart of God and the heart of this principle. He said, you sow a thought and you reap an action. How many of you know that your decisions start right here? Okay. Our decisions always start right here, and then they lead to an act. And then he said, sow an act, and you reap a habit. How many of you know? Now, this is, y'all, this principle is neutral until we decide what we're going to do with it, right? This principle is neutral. It's not good or bad until we decide what we're going to do with it. Okay, we make it bad or good with the decisions that we make. And so, the habits that we have right now, whether they be good or bad, they all started right here with a one step into a decision. Okay? So you sow a habit, and you reap what? A character. So how many of you understand this, that who you are today are based on your decisions? That's why this principle is so huge. Who you are today are based on the decisions that you made previously. All right? You reap a character, sow a character, and guess what? You reap a destiny. Okay? Guys, we're, we're sowing seeds with the decisions that we make, and we're determining our destiny with those decisions. And I don't want to heap too much on you right now, but guess what? Others people, other people's destiny are in your hands as well. And that's why, that's why this is huge. All right, time, time to get practical. Step on some toes here for just a minute. Okay, two huge categories in our life is money and time. Okay, or time and money. Okay, how many of you wish you had uh, some more time in your life? More time, need more time. If we had about 28 hours in the day, Mike could, Mike could get something done, maybe. Or like eight days in a week or something like that. How many of you, you non-pious people would say, I would like more money? 
Okay, yeah. How many of you, if you had more money, you could figure out a way to have more time? Yeah, that would be me. I wouldn't be going back to work. So, so two huge categories with regard to the principle of sowing and reaping, okay, our time and our money. They have great implications on what we decide to do with them. We need to determine with regard to time and money, are we sowing to please the flesh or are we sowing to, to please the spirit? I'm going to answer this question real quick, okay? With regard to time or money, this is how you know. If you're sowing to please the flesh or sowing to please the spirit. Are you an owner of your time and your money? Or are you a steward of your time and your money? That's a big difference. That's a big difference. Let's, let's look at some points here. So, with regard to your time. So, so time, owners see their time as belonging to them. Okay? You understand how this, this becomes a problem with regard to your decisions about how you spend your time? It's no longer your time no longer belongs to God, it belongs to you. I can already see the writing on the wall with this. It leads to selfishness. All right, so owners see their time as belonging to them. Stewards see their time as belonging to God. That's a, that's a correct way to view time. All right? Owners honor themselves with their time. So that you can already see a problem with that. Um, stewards honor, their God, honor God with their time. Um, do you know, there's a saying in church that, that 90% of what gets done in church is done by 10% of the people. You know who 10% of those people are? You know what they are? They're stewards. They're stewards. Because owners, ah, I just don't have time. I just don't have, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to serve. I don't have time to give. Um, I'm, I'm too busy. There's no, there's no margin in their schedule. <coughs> Okay, so stewards honor God with their time. Owners squander their time. So, ah, that's a bit, that's a bit harsh. But if it's not your time, then that's what you're doing with it, right? If it actually belongs to God and you look at it as yours, you're sowing to please the flesh with your time. All right, and so stewards are intentional with their time. Because they know that their time is not theirs, but it's actually God's. And they become obedient with their time. I want to ask you, are you, with regard to your decisions, are you intentional with your time? Are you building margin into your life to disciple other people? Do you have evangelistic relationships? Or are you too busy? If your time belongs to God, then you make time for stuff like that because that kind of stuff is important to God. If your time belongs to you, guess what? You're sowing to please the flesh. And it becomes all about you. All right, let's, let's look at uh, our beloved money. Okay, so if, you're, if you have the owner mentality of your money, your, your decisions on how you spend your money are based on pleasing your flesh. Owners hold on to their money tightly. You ever seen somebody who just holds on to their money tightly? Hey, can you give to this? Ah, oh, no, I can't. I can't. I don't have enough. I need some more. If I get some more, I might could, you know, let go, but I don't have enough. 
Stewards hold on to their money loosely, like this. That way, if somebody needs some, they can just, you know, you have an open hand. Right? When that money's not yours, you, you don't hold on to it. Because God calls us to be generous. All right? Uh, owners spend as much or more than they make. Now, this tends to be the American way, right? So we, we have an income level that is right here. Okay? And if you're an owner of your money, you want your lifestyle to match your income. And, and sometimes it creeps over even beyond that. So if you think of the two biggest purchases that we can make, which would be a house and a car, or multiple cars, uh, if you think about that in your income level, what, if you're an owner of your money, you, you make those two big purchases, and it puts you right up here, right up here with your income level. And it's basically just your lifestyle. That's all it is. And so that lifestyle and your income level, you can't even distinguish. It's like one line. Right? Cuts out you being generous. And so you make decisions to adjust your lifestyle up to your income. You sow to please the flesh. Um, stewards have margin in their budget for generosity. Okay, so if you're a steward of money, you look at your income level and you look at your, your level that you live and there's a, there's a nice big gap there. And we, we call that the, you know, that point where it's, you can just kind of relax and rest. And it's not, ah, you know, it's not that undistinguishable line. But you build margin into your, with a budget of all things. You know, God would call us to have a budget, to know where our money is going. So that we can be, Generous, so a steward of money builds margin into his life, and into into his time and into his money, so that when God calls him to be generous, either with your time or your money, you're able to. Okay. Um, what else we got here? Owners view their money as a means to an end. Let me explain that. So if you're if you're an owner of your money. Your money is always going to be a means to that next thing that you need to buy. That next thing that I got to have. I got to have this. And, it, and we always justify it because it's going to make me happy. If I can just get this, it'll make me happy and then I'll be good. And then, then I'll start serving. And then I'll start giving. And then stewards view money as a means to a ministry. I, I want to tell y'all, to, to those of you who tithe to this church, th this is huge. People come to Christ because you tithe. I just want to tell you this, because guess what? If the lights weren't on in here and the air conditioner wasn't on, you wouldn't have a whole lot of people in here to preach the gospel to. Okay? You've done that because you're a steward and not an owner of your money. And you've made a decision. I'm going to create margin in my lifestyle so that I can be generous, so that I can tithe, and even, even beyond that. Okay? Let's go to, uh, let's go to verse 9. We'll, we'll finish this out. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good, 
For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary, become weary in doing good. Um, the more I've been involved in ministry, um, the more I've grown as a Christian. Just by the way, the, the more you grow as a Christian, people become more important to you. You become less important, people become more important. Just as a general rule, if you're growing in Christ, you start to care about people more. Um, and, the, and the ministers would, would tell you here that, I'm sorry, but people are, um, man, people are just draining. You know, I'm sorry. I'm, I have the potential to be that same way. But people are ungrateful, and ministry is just, man, it's just, I mean, it's, it's a blessing, but it's just draining. When you're just pouring your life into somebody, because that's what we're all called to do, you're loving people and winning people to Christ and making time and building margin into your budget and into your day to love people like you're supposed to, it wears you out. And so Paul's telling us here, man, don't, don't grow weary in your ministry. And we're all ministers, okay? Don't grow, Josh, don't, don't grow weary with these kids. Brandon, man, I mean, you see the, you know, the toughest of the tough. Don't grow weary, you know? Choir members, Wayne, don't, don't grow weary. Teachers, don't grow weary of kids. I know it's summer and you're, you're happy now. Don't grow weary. For in, a proper time, for in a proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This is what Paul talks about when he talks about running the race. That's what he's talking about. Uh, there's a quote by Chuck Swindoll. He said, you know what the problem with daily living is? You know what it is? It's daily. It means when you throw the covers back and your feet hit the floor, it's daily. Don't, don't give up. Okay? The, verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those, to those who belong to the family of believers. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong. You know, we have a special call to the people that are in the sanctuary right now, the members of First Baptist Church, um, to create margin in our time and in our budget to bless one another. I mean, that's a, that's a command. Um, I, I love... You know, the, the, this principle of sowing and reaping, you know that the essence of it, the essence of it is spiritual gifts. I mean, how many of you in here, and I think I can do this since it's Sunday night, know what your spiritual gift is? How many would you say, yes, I know. I am a, you know, I'm a teacher. I am, I have the spiritual gift of administration, mercy, Okay. The Holy Spirit gifts us with spiritual gifts. And, and Peter says, like I, um, 1 Peter 4.10, this is where I wanted to go. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards. There's that word, stewards. 
as good stewards of God's varied grace. Guys, if you don't know your spiritual gift, you're missing out on opportunity to do what he's talking about in verse 10, to do good to First Baptist Church and the people that, are, that go here. And you, we do this, teachers, we do this. We have the spiritual gift of teaching, you do this. Don't grow weary, you know, don't grow weary, don't give up, but make decisions based on your spiritual gift. Um, I, I want to close tonight with a thought for Christians and then a second thought for, for if you're not a believer and you're here tonight. Um, where you are today is because of decisions that you made. Okay? If you're happy where, where you're at today, it's because of the decisions that you made that got you here today. And this principle of sowing and reaping is determining not only where you're at today, but where you're going to be five years from now, ten years from now. Now, I want to ask you, are you here as a result of sowing to please the flesh or sowing to please God? Okay? Also, five years from now, ten years from now, what does your life look like? Is it a result of you making decisions that please God or are you making decisions that, that please you? Okay? And ultimately, there's no more, there's no huger decision based on this principle of, of sowing and reaping than to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, if you haven't made that decision yet, if you have not sown that seed, so to speak, um, how, what, what are you waiting for? If you, if you go home at night and you're doubting your salvation, now we can can seal it up tonight with the, with the right decision. Um, man, so many people hang their hat on and are deceived by the wrong things that, that bring about salvation. And it's not good works, and it's not being in church, and it's not being a teacher or preacher or, or anything like that. It's, it's grace through faith. So, I just for the non-Christian, I want, I want to to tell you here tonight, you can make a decision. Um, you can sow that seed and, and reap a harvest of righteousness by accepting Christ today. Um, let's pray. If, there, if there's anybody here today that's um, just kind of walked in here and, and, and is, as a result of the decisions that they made, um, or have not made, and you don't feel like that when I spoke about eternal life that you knew exactly that you were going to be a part of that, would you pray this prayer with me? And you can be saved and know with this decision that you've made tonight that you will experience what Paul talked about when he spoke about eternal life in heaven with Jesus Christ. You can say this prayer. You mean it with all your heart. You say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me righteous. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. 
I want to say a prayer for the, for the believers that are here tonight. And that we would look at the decisions that we make as an opportunity to honor God. That we would raise our kids and our grandkids in such a way that it would honor God. That we would spend our money as stewards and not owners that we would look at our time that we have as a gift from God and not something that we own that we're free to do with it what we want Father I pray for the believers that are in here tonight that we would honor you with all these things that we spoke about today that we would look at our decisions as as a way to honor you Father, that we would be obedient to what you've called us and blessed us with. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing. Um, if, you're, if you're one of those persons that's here tonight that, that prayed that prayer um, and accepted Christ as Savior for the forgiveness of sins, because he he died in our place for our sins. The death that we deserved, um, he took that upon himself on the cross. And if you're just for the first time coming to realize that, that you need to be saved, I want you to come down here and just talk to us. If you want to pray, come and do that. If you've made some decisions and you've got some regrets, let's come give it to God right now.